Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. As always, I am Stephen Craig, and uh, I am both the author and uh, podcast version host of uh, Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Uh, so happy you could join us uh, here this Thursday uh, as we come to you each and every Thursday. Uh, this week, I am uh, I have a special guest in here. Uh, it's my dog, Finnegan. Uh, he's going to hang out and uh, do the podcast with me today. Uh, he went to the vet earlier. He is uh, not particularly pleased about such circumstances. Um, but I thought that was particularly fitting, considering that this week's column is a little bit um, gets me back to a topic that I haven't addressed for a while in Truth in a Thousand Words or Less, and that's music. <clears throat> and um, I always love doing uh, columns on music, in part because, uh, you know, I think sometimes uh, you f- I find that, uh, you know, truth truth was always intended to be um, a, really to take on a, a perspective regarding all aspects of culture and society and uh and especially towards the end of uh, 2020, right there, there was a lot um, of focus on, you know, the social aspects of the coronavirus um, and the pandemic, and then uh, a lot, obviously, <laughs> regarding politics. And it was nice to, it's been nice to take a, something of a break from that um, and, uh, and get back to a topic I love talking about, which is music, uh, and in particular this week about the Grateful Dead. Um, a band I've loved uh, since I was like a freshman in high school when I was first introduced to them. Uh, humorously, I think before that, I actually thought like they were, you know, I had this perception of them as like a heavy metal band, <laughs> you know, because they were uh, to some degree or another so taboo. Um, there was like the stigma um, that I think always came along with listening to the dead. Um and, uh, it, you know, and when I was younger, I think that was my perception of it all. Uh, obviously, that changed uh, when I got into high school and listened to them and realized that they were not only um, musically poignant, um, but obviously that the message was one more of love and hope and, uh, and peace and figuring out what the whole hippie scene was about. Uh, which brings me to what this week's uh, column is about. It's funny that it, it, on the one hand, it is about music, but it's also about culture. Um, and I say that because I have often found one of the things that uh, made me gravitate towards the dead as a band wasn't just the musical aspect of it, but the culture. If you've ever been to a dead show, it is uh, unlike anything else um, that you'll ever really experience. It's somewhere between a, a mix between um, the sort of the sport, a sporting event with all of like the tailgating aspect of it to um, a regular concert where you're drinking and, and um, having fun partying with your friends, but also like the circus. <laughs> and uh, and the, it's a, a really interesting amalgamation of, of people from all sorts of walks of life, um, all thrown into one big interesting um, experience together and, and with some really interesting and eccentric personalities in that mix. And I think that that's what brings a lot of people to that scene. Um, and, I, and so from the time I started listening to the dead, I think as much, um, I think I gravitated as much towards that aspect of it culturally as I did in terms of the music, maybe even still, uh, to this day as part of what I appreciate about it. Um, and I had a friend of mine, uh, not long ago, 
um, good friend of mine from high school who invited me into a couple of um, Grateful Dead groups online and Facebook. And um, I, and I love some of the, the things like you'll see people post, you know, pictures of like tattoos of themselves or of getting um, of getting, you know, their kids into the music or anything, something like that. But I, one of the things I'd also noticed was um, some of the comments in the vitriol towards um, what they consider to be poser deadheads or um, opinions. I saw somebody like throw down smack about some about <laughs> somebody had asked whether or not anyone in the group liked the Eagles and just the amount of like anger about the Eagles. I was like, you know, you could. Um, it's okay to listen to music outside of the dead and, and the Eagles, you know, maybe a little poppy, but man, it's, it's still really good. They're talented. Um, and in fact, the dead has actually played with members of the Eagles before. Like it seemed to me that a lot of the spirit, um, that went into the sort of judgmental aspect of it, um, was as much, it was so antithetical to what Jerry and the rest of the Grateful Dead members um, were part of. Like Bill Kreitzman right now is in a project with Billy Strings um, called Billy and the Kids, uh, supposedly coming to Red Rocks later this summer. So, um, you know, the dead, um, the dead is always really explored and, and uh, encouraged um, musical collaboration with people outside of that, sphere and um and so it seems so antithetical to me to have this like judgy um angry tone towards other deadheads when it was everything but and it tied to me in some sense with the same thing that happens with religion right that we um we take christianity in this nation in this country for example and um the message of what christ said about tolerance acceptance and everything else um of loving thy neighbor uh, somehow or another gets perverted by the actual adherents or the followers of the religion into becoming a judgmental um, superiority factor, this sort of holier-than-thou sanctimonious um, bullshit uh, that goes along with um, that goes along with the religion, and it's in such stark contrast to the um, open embracing and tolerance that the original message of the message of Christianity, um, that it's it, this parallel with the current state of deadhead culture, um, rings somewhat true. And so with that, no further ado, um, I do in fact give you this week's, uh, truth in a thousand words or less entitled grateful to be a deadhead. In reflecting back on my years of listening to the grateful dead, there are many fond memories I have of the experience, and many more than that. For reasons I shall not decline to explicate here, I am no longer able to recall. But music, especially in the world of recorded audio, lives in the eternal present. And my affinity for hearkening back to shows of yesteryear is a common and well-honored tradition in my household. Just the other day, as I drove my 12-year-old daughter down into town, a 1977 version of Bertha came pouring over the speakers of my 2012 Honda Pilot, and my daughter, in that truly sublime way she has, just started moving, entirely subconsciously, to the groove. I envied her for a moment, hearing it for the, one of the first times, and then settled back into the knowledge that it most certainly would not be one of the last.
It got me to thinking for a moment, and it is hard to wrap your head around sometimes, but it has genuinely been a quarter of a century since Jerry Garcia left us. 25 years, almost as long as the dead actually played with Jerry. From further to Dead and Company, there have been nearly as many years of various post-Jerry incarnations of the Grateful Dead as there were Garcia years once the band officially changed its name from the Warlocks. And while some remarkably talented guitarists have stepped up in those projects to try to fill the giant shoes Garcia left, most notably the recent inclusion of John Mayer for Dead & Company, no one could ever replace the iconic presence that Jerry Garcia's legacy left upon the Grateful Dead. Now, I'm not one to shit on John Mayer. Quite the opposite, in fact. I loved Mayer long before he ever started hanging out with Bobby and the boys. I've always felt that he was unfairly pigeonholed by your body as a wonderland into being some sort of cheesy pop star. But if you have actually listened to anything he has written in the nearly two decades since he wasn't in his early 20s, he crafts sophisticated songs with a flair for sincere musicality. And that boy can jam. Because he has always been seen as a pop star, his guitar playing is criminally overlooked. And I really do mean that, by the way. Sincerely, if you in any way question John Mayer's guitar playing, actually listen to some of his live performances, <clears throat> listen to his guitar soloing. It is unbelievably talented. I was blessed to see about two dozen Jerry shows, but it was John Mayer that hooked me when my friend Stacy offered me a Dead & Company ticket a few years back. And the shows I have seen since are comparable to some of the best shows I saw in the 90s. And that same 12-year-old daughter mostly knows the dead as the band John Mayer now plays in. In fact, I hate to say this amongst fellow deadheads, but strictly as a guitarist, John Mayer is a more technically proficient player than Jerry was. All right, all right, I hear it. Let me finish, let me finish. But that is pure and utter blasphemy to many self-respecting deadheads. In fact, the heresy I just dared to verbalize, that right there already had scores of haters running to their keyboards, poised to scribble out some hate-filled invective into an internet firestorm of rage. I can feel their vitriol right now as I write this sentence even though my words have yet to even materialize before them. And I am not sure that the irony of that is lost on them or not. Because you see, for Deadheads, Jerry was not merely a guitarist and a singer. He was an idol of worship, even if a false one at that. In the years since his passing, and even well before that, he had become a symbolic figure of something far greater, and his likeness has adorned everything from t-shirts to neckties to beach balls and everything in between. His legend has grown into something akin to a cult following, and yet it was one that Garcia himself eschewed. Jerry spoke out on social issues very little, in large part because he knew the power he wielded and never wanted to be a source of indoctrination or widespread political influence. Rather, what he wanted was to be a musician who provided the light and the joy, and let the people do the thinking for themselves. The one message Jerry did consistently have through his music and his voice was one of love, inclusion, and tolerance. 
He welcomed various perspectives into the tent from free-flowing hippies to the Hells Angels and was even more inclusive when it came to jamming with musicians from across the musical spectrum, including folks as diverse as Sting, John Lennon, Clarence Clemens from the E Street Band, and Pete Townsend. I once saw the dead bring jazz legend Witten Marsalis up on stage for an Eyes of the World that made its way onto their album Without a Net. By the way, the dark star from that show was even better. An improvisationalist to his core, Jerry embraced an open dialogue spoken in the soulful language of music, and all were welcome to join. That was what defined him. But go on to many Grateful Dead Facebook group sites, or listen to many of the folks still gathered in parking lots before shows, and they will rip someone apart for expressing an affinity for anything not Jerry. Anything less than obsequious homage to the patron saint of Jerry, and they will lay down more sanctimonious, holier-than-thou bloviation than Jerry Faldwell after a salt shaker full of cocaine. Seemingly unaware of just how much their lack of tolerance flies in the face of the spirit of the very legend whose name they seek to invoke, they will lash out with a fury of self-professed music knowledge and rain their fire and brimstone of superiority down on upon an unsuspecting heathen who dares to question them. It's funny, of course, that I've written similar things about religious adherence and their moral hypocrisy. But I guess in some ways, the dead really is something of a religion of its own. And perhaps that was exactly what Jerry himself was trying to avoid a worship that perverted the very mu mission of the music he was trying to create. I feel fairly positive that Jerry would have loved nothing more than to jam with John Mayer, even if the people listening didn't fully grasp its weight and the vibe they were throwing down. But I know one little 12-year-old deadhead that sure as hell would, and she wouldn't give a damn how anyone else felt about it. In any case, uh, that's this week's Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Uh, as always, uh, feel free to leave your comments uh, on my website. It's uh, www.waitingfortoday.com. You can find uh, this week's column, Grateful to be a Deadhead, there. Uh, and feel free to leave your comments there. You can also find us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. And uh, you can find the podcast version, uh, leave comments there here on Podbean, uh, Apple Music, and pretty much anywhere else that you get podcasts. So um, as I said, feel free to uh, leave your comments. I'm sure uh, some of you deadheads out there will have plenty of things to say about that one. <laughs> and, and I welcome the debate. So in any case, much peace and love to all of you. Until next Thursday, uh, peace out.